What's going on, everyone? Tanner Poppet here, Madras and Poppet's Corner. Just reminding you guys that for the first time ever, Madras's sophomore album, Into the Aquatic Sector, is now being reissued for the first time on a two-CD set and vinyl LP. Now, with the CD set, will include a live bonus disc, a live soundboard recording entitled Live Aquatic from that specific era of the band's career. Available now only at nolifetomodelrecords.com. What was that link again? Oh, yeah. NoLifeToModelRecords.com. Now, let's check out the episode you came to see. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Poppet's Corner. I'm thoroughly excited to be bringing on uh, Mr. Shannon Fry, of course, and the wonderful, the uh, the great Alejandro Palais. How you doing, guys? Thanks for coming on and hanging. Appreciate yeah. you both. How we doing? Good. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tanner. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Absolutely. This is going to hit a little closer to home for, for us, too, personally here, and uh I want to thank you, obviously, in advance for, for doing this with me and, and helping me tell some stories from this era because I always felt from this particular era of the band's career, it just doesn't get talked about a heck of a lot. And I want to kind of just, you know, I don't know, just have some fun and reminisce. So if you guys are ready, I'd love to get started. Obviously, we're going to be talking about, you know, the reissue of the, uh, I guess I should just bring up the, uh, the artwork itself. But we're going to be discussing... Like uh, the reissue of the uh, newly remastered Into the Aquatic Sector record, right? So, right off the bat, I think Shannon uh, has a couple of questions, so I'll let him start this off. Um, but uh, yeah, all right. So, so let's go back to this. Let's go back to the starting of this album and the writing process. Do you remember the first song you wrote? And was there a particular direction that you were aiming at? going forward well so oh my gosh i think most of this was already written by the time i joined if that was the case i think the first song was universal energy that i wrote for this because i wrote all the songs except for the intro was was uh written and and played by uh peter and i can't ever remember his name but obviously, she, uh, Alejandro plays in a band with, uh, with him, Dino Grave. Peter he, Demore. Yes, Peter Demore. Obviously, he produced this with Sean and uh, and Adrian. Uh, as 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 far as the recording process goes, so I think Universal Energy was the first one written, um, and then obviously the Oceanic Prelude was written by Alejandro, uh, which we'll get more into uh, that at a you know obviously later down line on this interview but yeah that to me is the first i think that was the first track written was universal energy and the direction of this is a lot more angrier because you got to think at that specific juncture in my specific life what was happening around that time is i literally we didn't have a band when 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 all this was kind of transpired so we were doing it was like the rebuilding process so we were i was a little bit more angry than what i am now and it certainly shows on this record. So I think the direction would be it's a more I wanted to get angrier. I wanted to to make a better record than than we did on on the Maleficent record. Okay. 
All right. So, so going into the recording then, <clears throat> so how long did it take you to write the whole album? Uh, it, it took a couple months. Uh, we, we went in and played, I think we played Thrasher to mile. Then Alejandro joined, um, like a, couple weeks after that and i think we just started hashing out the songs that and i would bring a, a whole song into the rehearsal space and we would hash it out and and pretty much form the songs into how they were recorded now i don't know why we picked overboard sound recordings maybe alejandro can fill that gap in um, but i think that was his connection as far as that goes yeah so peter i met peter through school when we when I was going to Fullerton College I was in a recording class with them and then he invited me over to his studio because uh, he's a guitar player he found out I play guitar and we bonded over that and then he showed me the stuff he had been working on and I thought hey maybe we can come and record here because we were looking for a place to record and that's how that happened <clears throat> we were we were we were their first uh, metal band we were their first actual like major full uh length album client i believe and during this time i'm going to add to some of this stuff uh so we get it was in like a business complex in fullerton from my yeah, warehouse yeah where in so they were building this studio like they were building it as we were recording it so they had some certain pieces in place like they had the engineer room they had the uh, the the uh, the room for the drums and the, and the, the amps and whatnot. And it's all documented. I have the DVD, which I should, I should put out there again and actually press it and make legit copies of it. But we did a behind the scenes thing. You remember that Alejandro? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember eating the cookies that your mom would bake for us. That's the one part I do remember the most, the chocolate chip cookies. <sighs> what was it called? The pop, a pop it dozen. My mom used to make cookies, and we would call it a pop a dozen. So you'd have, I think a baker's dozen was what, twelve or thirteen. She'd she'd add like, uh, like fourteen or fifteen. That would be a pop a dozen, a little extra. But um, so this studio was being built as we were recording, so it was always ever it was ever changing, from my understanding. Um, and they eventually, I think they had a sh we had we played there too. They had like a showcase in that that rehearsal space, so. It was almost like a riff house type of type of thing, except it wasn't a rehearsal space. It was m m uh, a recording studio. So the recording process, I uh, I think it was fairly quick. I want to say it was like a month or two tops. Yeah, I I don't know. You were more involved in that. I I what I I just came in on the days that I had to record my parts. And from what I remember, it was like four days top, but I remember you being there like every day and then seeing the messages go back and forth communication about scheduling and whatnot. So I know it was very active, but on my end, I was there for like maybe four or five days at the most actually recording. And if I was there any other time, it'd just be basically hanging out and seeing what's going on. And, and that communication was key for me just to get everybody involved and just make sure we we're all on the same page on what was going on. Because that was like one thing that I wanted to change from the previous uh, lineup and whatnot was the communication. Because I felt like that was one area that could have been improved on. So obviously, I kept we kept everybody in the loop as far as that goes. But yeah, I think it was a couple months. And I mean, 
we, there were long nights. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, communication is a huge thing. It's huge. I think I think most of the time was really allocated towards the back end of stuff. So like mixing and mastering and uh, doing all that. I think that's what the bulk of the time was. It wasn't most. It wasn't recording, at least from what I could recall. And this is an album too that we used real amplifiers on. It's like the only one that we uh, well that I was using. We were using our live rig for the guitar tones. If you. From my understanding, from my recollection, I think that's what we did. We used a DI and on top of that, our, our live because we wanted it to sound like how we sound live. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Understandable. Yeah, that's a cool way of, of going at it. It sounds it sounds good, you know? Sounds really good. What did you think as it was turning out? Were you were you happy with the process as it was going? While, while the recording process was happening, I mean, was it a fairly easy process? And, and, and did you, were you enjoying it at this time? I'll let Alejandro take that one. Um, I had, I had a good time recording. I had fun, although it did really, I learned a lot from it as in not as in once you start recording yourself, you realize how shitty of a guitar player you really are. And how much more practice you need to get, go out and, you know, go and do. So I, you know, it's that happening alone, I, I, I enjoyed that aspect. I, I flipped that into a positive things like, okay, well now I have room to grow instead of, you know, I'm not at where I think I am musically. Um, so that's one thing I do appreciate from recording. Uh, I, to, sorry, I went off on a little tangent there, but to answer your question, I had fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there, you know, and I was working with friends. So like at the end of the day, you know, what's, what's more fun than having to work on a project with someone, you know, cares about music and, you know, you're friends with. Was You have that, you have that relationship, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And it helps you grow as a person too. But, yeah. but was there any, there wasn't any tensions or anything. Did you go through any of that? If there was, it was just within myself. Like I said, you know, realizing and hearing yourself how you actually sound on a recording, it's it's very frustrating. And you you kind of like, man, maybe I'm not at the level I thought I was, and I really do need to put in the work. So if there was any tension or frustration, it was like on myself, on me, onto myself for not being at the caliber that I should be at playing wise in my guitar skills. I got you. Yeah. How about you, Tanner? So. The tension for me came with working with, with Peter and, and Peter's a great engineer, but there are things that like he was wanting that I wasn't want. It was just that back and forth dynamic. And we were just, there was, there was some tension, at least that's just my recollection. So, um, and I'm not, there's no bad blood by any stretch of the imagination, but there were things that I wanted to be portrayed on this album that wasn't getting done during the process so we catch there's a lot of back and forth i remember during this and i i think alejandro was in on those group chats as well but i i remember like one in one instance where um we were okay prime example so i was i was typically always there when all the guys were recording because i was filming that like just having a making of documentary because i just felt like how cool is this if people are interested in that specific lineup or, or era of the band's career that there's like something documented. So I was putting together 
of the video as the visual aspect as well as recording. So I was doing both. So it was a little bit, I mean, like I, said, I was, yeah, it was a little stressful for me and I was doing long nights with, uh, with Peter and Sean and they, they were, they're phenomenal producers. I, I really enjoyed working with them, but there were, there were some tensions with that with, cause Richard, I'm, uh, at the specific moment in time, you know, he was frustrated like Alejandro with his, with his playing. Um, he's grown obviously a lot since then. They, they both have, but at that particular time, I remember Richard getting really frustrated because he couldn't nail the parts down on time. So he kept having to like record it again, record it again. So I remember a lot of that happening. Well, then, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I didn't mean that to sound negative at all. I didn't. No, at no, all. no, no. But, but that's the truth. So, I think this was Alejandro's first album as well. It's like, yeah, it was. Well, overall, it was a learning experience for everyone because this too was also the first time Peter and Sean had actually tackled on a large project like this, and they learned. You know, it was their first time, so we were all essentially the band, and everyone involved was. We were all doing it. Well, Tanner recorded an album beforehand, and I believe Caesar has done some work too. But basically, we we're all just starting from the beginning together and working on on working on something you know right so let's go to the release when it was released how how did you feel now that how you, you get this album cover and how well let's go to that how did the album cover come about okay so let me let me finish off here real quick i guess i gotta mention this too so initially the first draft of any of the aquatic sector, I wasn't happy with the mixing and mastering of it. So I, I want to throw this out there too. Matt from Xanthicoid actually mixed and mastered this. So Peter and Sean recorded it for us and we sent it off to mixing and mastering with Matt of Xanthicoid, who obviously gave us the, the product, the, the, the mix that you're hearing today. Right. Um, so I want to just throw that out there too. I got to give everybody credit where credit, is due um now with the album cover my friend alejandro leone um this is where it gets a little complicated with the two alejandros but so essentially <laughs> we went to high school together so he drew our first two album covers obviously the 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 maleficent one is still one of my favorites um in our like in our turquoise yeah I, I dug it so i just we wanted to use them again to get a little bit more it, uh, colorful, I guess, on the next one. And that's certainly what happened. It was done on a canvas. So it was a canvas painting. Um, I had the original somewhere in a frame. I have to dig it out in my archives. But essentially, that's what it was because, uh, like I said, we went to high school together and I just loved his work. He's done like all my tattoos and, and whatnot. So yeah, I just wanted to use him. And especially during that time too, because I didn't know a lot of people. You know, I wasn't like, well versed in my connections like like i'm sure as alejandro can voice that as well he you know he learned a lot since then and probably didn't have as many connections as he does now so i still do <laughs> i'm so focused on practicing i like i neglect the networking and connection side of things same like like i said we just spend so much time practicing that we forget that other aspect of it <laughs> Well, the business side of things, you know. Sure, but my my point <laughs> in all this is we we utilized what we had at that specific time, and I also want to throw this out there too. And I I'm going on some tangents here, but I gotta at least do document this stuff. So I really feel like into the aquatic sector showcased 
all of our talents in one. And I think that's why it's held up really well in people's opinions. Like this is, I've been reading online this, hey, the, you know, they're all excited for this reissue because it's their favorite Madras album. And I'm like, so grateful for obviously for that too, you know. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree, but also I'm not the listener, so it doesn't really matter anyways. But I, what I will say is, I mean, you have parts where it showcases the bass guitar, right? Because Richard originally recorded the the first Tormentor album, Pulse of Terror. He was the bass player on it. So that was his first record, and obviously Any of the Aquatic was his second. So he was still kind of wet behind the ears on recording and, and getting better all the time. So I knew he could he could just shine through on with his bass playing. And so there are certain parts that I wrote for the bass. There are certain parts that I wrote for the guitar and the drums and vocal aspects, but there's also the classical piece, the uh, oceanic prelude, which Alejandro wrote, which I'm so grateful, you know, that he has the talent to do more classical work. So I, w- I would like to at least touch upon that specific song, if I may, before we get to your specific question. So, um, Alejandro, I'm kind of curious when approaching the Oceanic Prelude, what was your thinking? Because we got to remember this too. This was kind of like a concept album as well that most people don't even know. So I think I went over the concept with you uh, before the, the song was written. Yeah, dude, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't remember. And I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how, because this writing music is, I'm so obsessed with technique. That's all I practice. And as a classical musician, I'll, anything I do musically, I just read the notes on the page. I don't really write or compose. So that is a huge territory I've neglected in my like career of playing. And even at that point, it was very intimidating. And I honestly don't know how I wrote. I don't, I don't remember the process at all. I just knew I, I don't know. I just, that pressure was there. Like, oh, I need to fucking write this. So I just did that. I think I had... I approached a friend, my friend Miles, who now he played in a band called Animus, I think. And when we were on tour, we ran, I actually ran into him in Salt Lake City. His band was also playing a show that night. Miles Baker, Dimitri Baker, who's another guitar player who I'm buddies with. I met, I, we met through home when we when I was working at Home Depot. So I I was hanging out with him one time, and I was like, "Hey, can you help me write this?" And I I, I showed him a little progression, and then he told me a little few uh, you know i think he sh- told me about some musical ideas uh specifically with uh, ornamentation like trills and whatnot and where to add them and to make it more of a, a, a you know musically sounding piece but uh, honestly I, I the inspiration was just the pressure to get it done and to go in to record it really um that's my tendencies like i'm a I wait till the last minute to do something and the pressure, just just any form of pressure is what really motivates me to get whatever I need to do done. So, so do you remember, I, I do you remember how long that song took you to write, to compose? I don't know. I, I want to say, let me, let me, let me, let me help with this. If you don't mind. I remember when Alejandro kind of a, because we had this idea, I was telling Alejandro, like, hey, I would love to utilize your classical skills and get a classical piece on this record. Because during this specific point, I was always encouraging the guys to bring in their ideas and write and help me, you know, write the riffs and whatnot. So this was an aspect I could not do. I could not play classical guitar. 
but Alejandro was going to school for it. And we just, I wanted to utilize that specific skill aspect, that set of skills there. And he brought, he brought me in. I, I don't think that I had ever heard it until it was recorded. So that should tell you something as well. So I think he literally yeah, went in. Yeah, that's what it was. That's that's the, like the pressure part too because I knew Tanner hadn't heard anything and I was going in to record it and I was like, oh, well, fuck. I, like I need to, you know, I can't fuck this up. So, it, you know, we came out with that. Right. And I think this – so when I initially heard it, I was like, this is fucking awesome. And it still is. It's still one of my favorite pieces in, in, in our catalog and whatnot. But I remember – being there as I think I was there as it was getting recorded or, or what I, like I said, my, my memory is kind of hazy at this point, but I want to say I was there when you were, I'm sure you were, like I said, you were involved in like pretty much the whole project from day one. So I mean, I'm sure you were there. I am pretty sure you were, but I remember it being done in one take. So like there, he only literally probably done it, did it twice. And that when one of them, one of the times it was recorded. So Alejandro could, you know, say to, you know, tell me if I'm wrong on this aspect, but I believe it was done in one or two takes. I, I think so. I don't, I don't recall, but I, I also remember it didn't take as long as I thought it would. Because all the rhythm guitars were already done, and I think this was like the final piece to the recording process, if I'm not mistaken. Because we had a, the drums were recorded um, first, right? Then the guitars, bass, and then the, the the classical piece, and obviously vocals were in there somewhere. Um, now I can't remember what Shannon's question was beforehand because I went on some tangents there, but essentially, uh, I, like I said, I just wanted to, to put some some other stuff documented for us later on uh on the recording process of this so yeah the cover so we had the the concept um i i had the concept lyrically speaking with what i wanted to do it's a it's a actually a story about uh underwater aliens um so if you put certain songs together it creates a story but they're all out of order because it doesn't set it wouldn't sound good as a as a whole Right, I wanted the record to kind of just blend really well together. So certain pieces are mixed and matched, but there's a you know a hidden hidden gem for you, folks. There's actually if you put four songs together, it creates the story. So it's gonna throw that out there. Fun fact. Yeah, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so did did you want the album cover to resemble the concept? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, it's a reflection not only of the title track into the aquatic sector, but it's also a reflection of human society that we're in. And it's so funny that it's held up so well. Cause I, if you would have told me that um, all this shit would have transpired years later after <laughs> coming up with this concept, um, I probably would have said you're full of shit, but it happened and it seems like the, the covers held up really well. So, um, yeah, my whole concept to this too is because I heard a fact or like a like a statistic where we only know like one percent of the ocean or ten percent of the ocean and one percent of the universe, something to that effect. And I was like, what if there are underwater aliens? What if there's a like a whole society underwater that we didn't know about? You know, and it came and and it was trans, 
it was it was camouflaging themselves in our bodies and then going to take over the world right so that's the whole concept to to what into the aquatic sector is very cool And I was writing the songs really fast too. So it was just one after another, another, because we were kind of thrown into the recording studio. It was like, we need to get this done now because I think one of the guys had a deadline. I think Peter or Sean or something had a deadline that we needed to get it done. And, and there's also a point of contention too, where like I said, there were some tensions with, with some of us not being able to play the parts, you know, to a T getting frustrated. So there were a couple songs I want to say the title track into the aquatic sector and frozen me at the snow. I did all the rhythm guitars to it. Um, and then obviously Alejandro did the solo to the, uh, the title track, which again, is fucking awesome. And it was also the first time too, where we added clean guitars in the middle of a song. So that was a whole fucking process as well. Cause I didn't know how to do that, mm-hmm. you know, play it cleanly and, and think of like what kind of guitar tones I wanted to, to use, guitar wise right that was a whole fucking process man so how long were you guys connected at the time in the band before you had gone in to record this album well i i think we i mean we were friends before this too we uh he would Alejandro and I, I, had, I was actually a fan before i was in the band years before i was even involved I was like four or five years before I was even involved in the band. I was, I was a huge fan. Um, back when there was like a thrash revival, I don't know. Back when I was in high school, I think Tanner was still in high school. Um, Hoagie Bar Michaels was the first show I saw you at Madras play at, and that place has been shut down. It's been years, but I was like a sophomore in high school when I first heard the band and then, <clears throat> you know, ever since being a fan, it's like, Oh man, that'd be cool if I played in that band one day. And then eventually it fucking happened. And, and I kind of want to touch upon this aspect, Alejandro, and get some perspective fr- from you on this is originally you approached us to do like a compilation. And it was like at the right moment when I knew shit was getting, you know, going down. So that's kind of how we connected as well. We worked on like a project. So, so before, I, okay. yeah. Yeah. So at the time what Tanner's referring to right now, at the time I got really into fucking black metal. And the one thing that black metal led to was this whole underground scene of like people who make zines and mail it out. And, you know, they have, there's like an underground mailing list where they trade, you know, tape trading. And I tried to get involved in that. And, you know, I had no demo tapes. It's like, well, I'm not in a band. I don't do anything. So what's the next thing I can do? It's like, well, I know a lot of fucking local bands. Why don't I start my own zine and start interviewing bands and then, you know, sending them out and try to make those connections and be a part of the underground scene in some way. Because I wanted to be involved in music in the scene some one way or another. And like I said, I wasn't in a band at the time. So I had interviewed, I had lined up interviews with bands locally. Um, I don't know. There's this, do you remember Cataclysmic Spawn? They're a local band from where I'm from, Anaheim, and I got I interviewed them. Um, do you remember fucking Chris from Huntington Beach? What was it? Imminent Death? I interviewed them. I interviewed them. And somehow I made connections with a dude out in Utah, um, Jacob 
I forgot what his name was. Art Romero, I think. is. I, I got to get his info back. Uh, but he even sent me free artwork that I could use for the publication. And because he, you know, we made the connection. He's, you know, he really liked my idea and he believed in it and he sent me that. And then he put me in contact with another guy out in like Idaho or Iowa who was trying to do the same thing. And he had demo discs and he was distributing them around the country. And I got him to put Madras tracks on there. I'm skipping ahead. Before I did that, anyways, before I got that connection, I had interviewed Tanner. And for the zine, and after the interview was done, he was telling me how there's no guitar player. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, you don't have a guitar player? Like, what, what are you looking for? And then that's when I approached him about possibly auditioning to join the band. And this was like right at like 2013, I want to say. Like, it was like literally right place, right place, right time. Um, so. I, I I'm etern- we're eternally grateful, obviously, to to be friends at this point because it's been a, so long. But um, you guys all, but your fanzine also used uh, a famous artist, I believe, called Ravager, and uh, that's who it was Ravager. That's who I got in contact with, and he gave me all like art. He let me choose artwork, and he sent it to me, and I could use it for free. I I I should probably go back and at least publish the first issue. Um, I think that's well deserved for that. I had I had it ready to go. I think I think I should go back and do that. But you know, I'm, it's going to need some revisit and some rework because that's over like ten years old. Well, sure, but I'm just wanted to throw it out there too. Like you were establishing connections with. I mean, he's pretty famous in the the underground scene. I mean, if you've never heard of like Mark Riddick or Ravenger or, or artists like that, I mean, I. You probably haven't been in the scene very long, but you know, just to educate folks out there, that was a really prominent figure during that specific time. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't even remember how I got that connection. I don't know how we got linked up, but yeah, we established that connection, and um, it, it, it was great. It was, I, like I said, I had the first issue ready to go, and then I just got busy with life. <laughs> and you also put out compilations as well, which we should mention too. But um, I did not know. I got Madras on a compilation. Oh, the the dying those dying the dying volume records or whatever. That's the other connection I made on Facebook to try to help with the zine that I mentioned earlier. Gotcha. Oh wow, that's cool. That's a cool story. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, now, uh, let's go to another aspect that I've wanted to kind of touch upon and whatnot. And so we get the album done. It gets remixed and remastered, essentially. Comes out, um, and we start to do the tour for it. Now, I think it was like a 10-day tour, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the first time that, like, I mean, it was the first time that Alejandro at least got to, got to you know, do some do a tour so in your first tour experience what were you expecting versus what you actually got i don't know um i knew there would be a lot of driving and a lot of waiting so i guess i kind of already knew what to look forward to um i was just stoked to play fucking shows for people that's that's all i cared about really 
but yeah, when I mean, it's just you guys supporting yourself out there. It kind of sucks, but you know, you have each other, and it, you know, you make it work. Yeah, when you don't, when you don't have like, when you don't have like a big record label backing you, and you're all independent. Yeah, it kind it kind of sucks, but at that point, you're not, you know, you're in it for the art, really. You're not, you know, you just you're doing you're doing what you're doing. I was fucking happy enough just to be on a tour, you know just to get yeah, that experience fueling that hunger yeah fueling that hunger yeah um and so we obviously we do the tour and we get to know each other even more so than probably what we want to um and uh uh even let's go before this let's do let's talk about the photo shoot if we can right obviously well, what about what about how i even became an official member of the band well, the, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. How uh, First practice when I came in, do you remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm coming in worried because, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, man. I don't have a half stack. My gear is shit. I have this fucking little Marshall 100-watt MG amp tube. Tu- um, not tube, sorry. Solid-state amp. Like, my tone sucks. I'm like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm worried. And, you know, Tanner, you know, you know him. He's all like, hey, man, what's up? You know, all happy, friendly, you know, go lucky. And it's like, all right, cool. He's helping me. You know, I'm a little bit at ease. He's, you know, I'm, I feel accepted and open. And then um, I just played through the fucking songs um, that he had sent me. Uh, I think I did okay. I don't know. And then, you know, he didn't say anything afterwards. And it wasn't until I think later that week when he calls me, he's like, Hey, we have a show tomorrow. Can you do it? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm down. We can try. And so at that show, that same day I I told, I approached Tanner and I told him like, Hey dude, I've never played a show before. Like ever at a venue. I've never done it. Tanner, Tanner got fucking nervous. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, dude, I've never ever played a show before. This is my first time. Um, he didn't tell the rest of the band, but, uh, we ended up, you know, he was, him and I were the only ones that knew that I've never played a show in front of a crowd at a venue ever in my life. And then, uh, later that night I, I made it into the band. Do you remember the ritual we did? Cause this is one aspect I do remember. Where we smoked the joint in the parking yeah, lot out back. All four of us took. Uh, we had one joint, and we all part- partook in the uh, the joint ritual process, and we made him an official member. I believe Rich, that was Richard's idea, and Richard told you, "Hey, welcome to the fold." I think that's. I think Richard was the guy that told you. I think so too. Wow, yeah. that's that's, that's a cool the, story there. And that was at the that was at the joint in Hollywood. I think was it Hollywood? I think it was Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, it, it's it's no longer around anymore. It turned in. It turned into the Black Rose Tavern, and then uh, I think it's just a restaurant now. Uh, but you also too remember this? So there was a. Uh, Andy Ford of Razor Radio was broadcasting his shows from that place too. So yeah, there was like this staircase where it led to the mixing board, but it also was a radio station. So it was like a cross between a venue, bar, restaurant, and a radio station. That place, that place was really cool. I'm sad it's not no longer with us, but a 
grateful that we got to experience that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful too for that place and you know to play my first show ever there. Wow, dude, I had no no idea until now. And do you remember what? Did you, here, here's a good question for you. Do you remember what bands that you played with that show? I remember one of the bands outside while this, what Tanner was just referring to earlier, was going down. There was a band there on tour from New York. I can't recall their name, but I remember they were from New York. They 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 played before us. I can't. I don't remember who they were, but that's all I remember is that they were on tour from New York. It wasn't the Fender's Ballroom Band show, was it? I can't remember what it. No. With the band did a bunch of covers. Okay. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. So, okay, but yeah, you stopped me. So, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> that was a long time ago, right? Um, yeah. Now, moving, moving forward, l- I'd like to tackle the photo shoot and just get your recollections on on how that all transpired and and when when you originally first met Adrian for the first time. I, I, I like I said, being a fan of Madrost, anytime a lot of big shows were going down. They would normally be playing that bill and I would see Adrian there. So I kind of, I knew of Adrian before, but I didn't really get to know him until I was in the band and, you know, involved with stuff with him, like, like, you know, our photo shoots and whatnot. Um, and obviously every show we had while I was there, at least he was there recording and filming and doing, you know, what, whatever he could to contribute to the scene and, you know, keep it alive and keep it going. And did was was he initially um, when when he would take the your you know the photos and whatnot? What was y- your recollections as far as like him coming up? Did he come up to you and just say, "Hey, great job," or was this like? But he was very welcoming, at least in in, in to me personally. But was it the same for you? Was it? He was very yeah. He was very he was always stoked, very happy. He's a real you know he hype man he he you know he 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 was very encouraging and very supportive and he would always put a smile on your face for sure very very happy very you know very just very supportive of everything and he loved doing you know he loved it was his passion to take pictures and document all that stuff um he's he loved doing it and it you know it all came from him and he you know he never i don't at least i don't think he really made much of it financially, but that was just his passion project that he liked to do, you know? And I think we recognized that obviously really, really early on and, and knew that he was a, an outstanding photographer. Um, and we wanted to use him for the, into the aquatic sector record. And I don't remember how we chose the location of the photo shoot, but it was I remember one- uh, Angie, recommended that spot and we went there because we all met up i think it was at it was at their apartment and she's like just go to that brewery over there whatever that warehouse spot and we that's where we went so it was angie who who was the one who suggested who came up with the location interesting so obviously they lived right next to so it's off of yeah because it was super close to the airliner too it was it's literally across the freeway it's across the street from there it's super local to the airliner and their apartment that they used to live in so what? yeah 
Right, and it's like right off the freeway. It's like super convenient to go to, and we had never been there. I, I specifically had never been there. I didn't. I, I still sometimes for work, I'll drive by that freeway and I'll see the brewery sign, and I'll always remember that. Like, hey, that's where we had our photo shoot. That's pretty, you know, it's pretty cool. It's uh, I don't know if it's like a movie studio at the same time too, because they had this weird. They had these like weird warehouses and just like that weird ass fan that obviously we took the in my opinion, the iconic shot that you see on the back of the cover, but you know, it was just, they had all these, well, it it was, it was, it was mostly like warehouse lots, but they were just occupied by a bunch of fucking artists. That's, that was a cool thing. It was just a fucking hip, um, modern hipster art location. So, you know, it's just a place full of artists. So, you know, artists recognize artists. That's why that guy, I think approached us so openly and, you know, was stoked to have the photo shoot in his, in his warehouse space. Right. Well, we, we didn't even mention that aspect. There was, cause so- I remember, I remember while we were there, one of the warehouse spots was completely wide open and they had like cooking classes going on. So it was like a bunch of artist stuff. Pa- there's painters, sculptors and all whatnot. It was like a cool, you know, like rental studios, studio rental area, but for just any variety of art. Oh, wow! And, and while we were taking the while we were taking the photo shoot, and Alejandro alluded to this, what he's referring to is there was a gentleman who was like watching us take the photos, and he approached us and said, "Hey, I got a cool location that I think would work, you know, for you guys." I got the key. You would, you know, let's, would you be interested in, in shooting in it? And then of course we said, absolutely. And so we go, so we do the, you know, a couple shots and whatnot. We go in, he unlocks the door and it's like this wide warehouse area with a bunch of like wood planks. And you remember how like that tiny ass. Yeah. Like- it looked like he did woodworking there or like built furniture or something. Cause it was just full of like wood tools and chisels and saws and just wood everywhere. And so there's a staircase, remember, and then like a little beam, it was like had like what four feet or whatever. We were always, af- I was always afraid I was going to fall off of it. Yeah. So you're referring to where we took that staircase shot? Yes. The photo with the staircase. Yeah. Yeah. That, like I said, like that guy was a fellow artist and, you know, he recognized that we were doing that and he, you know, he helped, helped us out and, you know, we got cool photos out of it. That's what was so cool about that whole experience, you know, and, and obviously the, the big old building that you can see from the freeway is like a rock climbing place from my understanding, or it was at that specific time. It was like a rock climbing facility, really strange, really random. But, uh, I remember, I, yeah, I remember, I remember something with rock climbing. Y- yeah. And I, and I do too, but it, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if that was there. It seems to be that type of scene to, to have that. And I remember, I specifically remember taking the, like a couple shots from that, that fan area. Remember the big old fan in the background. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself as it was being, as those shots were being taken, that one of these could potentially be the one. And I don't remember how we ended up choosing the one shot to showcase that specific uh, you know, lineup and whatnot. But to me, that's one of my favorite shots in our career period. I I don't remember. I think if I remember correctly, I, I found out once I held the product in my hand and I, you know, I flipped the back of the CD and I, that's the first time I saw it. I don't think I, I, I 
had anything to do with that, but that was the right picture to use out of all the ones that we took that day. I would have agreed to use that one as well. Um, and for sure. Do you remember leaving the facility? Because I kind of do. I remember when the photo shoot aired, or obviously we, we did the photo shoot. And of course, Adrian doesn't like to be paid for some reason. He like, he's really, he, I mean, he loves his work and, and God bless him. Um, and rest in peace to him. But he, I remember he, he didn't like to like get paid for some reason. He was just, uh, he just loved to do what he did. So obviously we paid passion. him. Yeah. We paid him though. I remember specifically yeah. giving him money, handing him and saying, you're taking this. Um, and that was, that was that. And we went back to our cars and put all the albums together. And, and that's what transpired was that whole, you know, that's pretty much it in a, in a nutshell with this album. And, you know, obviously it's held up in, in high regards over the years. I mean, it's been out of print for ages and, um, uh, and I think no life to my records did a, it, to me, I think they did an outstanding job, you know, with this whole thing. And when I was approached initially to, you know, t- that this was getting reissued, um, the, uh, I wanted new album artwork on it because I always felt like the album artwork could have been better, like a better representation to the music, the sound, everything about it. So I think when I approached Tony Cole about this, because he had always said, this album cover is terrible. I want to, I want to redo it for you at at a certain point. I said, awesome. So me, me, myself and, and Tony, you know, been friends for, for a long time. Um, and when I was approached about this, I said, Hey, Tony, we're getting ready to reissue this. I would like new album artwork. I think this is the right time to do it. And when I approached him, he was like all about it. I gave, he obviously he's seen the original. I said, make this, but better, same concept, same everything. And that's to me, that's the only artwork that, that is going to be used on it going forward. So if you have the original, great, it's awesome. But to me, this is the album cover. Flash it up again real quick. Yeah, yeah I'll do it right now for for the folks that... Uh... Sorry, I was trying to take a screenshot and I kept fucking up. <laughs> All good. But um, so my my initial point is, is this, this represents just everything about it. It encompasses so many different things for me. And so many people, you know, disagreed with m- me even uh, wanting to uh, do a new cover for it. And I think I made the right decision as far as that goes, because now uh, I can't unsee it like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's great. I love it. It's fantastic. And Tony's such a graphic. He can make, he makes his art so graphic. And he makes it beautiful. He really took. He, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he really, he really kept, he really uh, kept everything about the original and made it better, for sure. And it's a different aspect to his art that doesn't get showcased a heck of a lot because he's known for doing like bloody, gory album covers, and not like, I don't know. I just love, I love his artwork. But in closing, I want to, I want to thank everybody for coming on, and hopefully we can do this again when. Uh, when you know our new projects are, are out and whatnot, Shannon, thanks very much again for for you know 
doing this and wanting to be a part of this. Um, now, before we sign off here, um, Alejandro, what do you have coming up as far as uh, your musical stuff goes? So we're we're currently working on a new record. Um, we have a few songs done. We have a few ideas, and we're gonna we're pretty much in the writing process. And then once that's done, we're gonna start getting ready to record. And then aside from that, we're just looking to play shows and get our you know get our name out there a lot more than it's it is currently. Sure. And uh, Shannon, lastly, what do you have coming up? Oh, it's finishing up the album that we've been working on. Starting new stuff. Everything's looking so good. Everything's positive. So, yeah. I'm, we're getting ready. Almost time to play live, too. Hopefully soon. But I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. But, gentlemen, I want to thank you both again for coming on uh, the show and for another episode of Poppets Corner, guys. We're out of here. Cheers.